everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. Well, uh, rice has started practicing, which is the great news. There's some bad news to go along with that on the um, non-COVID injury front, so uh, that's going to be the bulk of this episode. Uh, We have some uh a little bit of news roundup to do before then but uh yeah so we'll we'll be deciding how much to panic <laughs> so let's get this straight we spent march up through the end of september hoping and praying that we'd get a football season and then we had the uh we got to rejoice with our first breaking news edition of the roost pod on Friday of last week, and that was fun. And then, what? When did I? I guess Monday. I had the weekend practice update with some things to worry about. So it it would not be college football if we didn't swing from the greatest of highs to the lowest of lows. And three days is actually pretty lenient. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these days, like, I, <laughs> that's a decent amount of time to go without any like I don't know wild mood swings, basically. Especially in in COVID times, I feel like seventy two hours in these days has been oh, yeah of like relative uh, quiet. Right, a lot can get can uh, can go down. So and then we did hint on uh, practice news, and I'll I'll get a couple housekeeping things out of the way, like we do at the start of every show. So our subscribers on Patreon already know about the injuries that we're going to talk to, and a couple other guys that are nicked up that. Probably haven't hit our panic meter yet, but <laughs> stay tuned. We'll we'll pay attention. So, uh, you know, college football, for better or for worse, is not required to give out an NFL-style injury report. So this is the only place you're going to get it. So if you want to know who is going to suit up, or our best guess, rather, because we are still, you know, we're here, but we're not. We're still three weeks away from Rice playing their first game, assuming everything kicks off as scheduled. So go ahead. You can go on to the website or patreon.com and uh, sorry, make sure I, I get this right. Patreon.com slash at the roost. Either of those places you can get access to all the practice updates that have already happened. Recruiting news. Rice still has a top five class going into man, the calendar. It, it is October by the time you're listening to this and we're what two months away from the early signing period. And I, I, We'll do football first, but (laughs) there's a lot going on. So, yeah, go ahead. Subscribe on Patreon. You'll get more than you're going to get on the podcast, all sorts of practice notes. And we have practice and things to talk about. So we have a couple other items. We're going to hit some COVID nudes at at the top of the show, which is the recurring theme. We want to go ahead and give a couple shout outs to our pro owls as they either begin or wind down their seasons and then we're going to go ahead and go through some panic meter and be i don't know we'll either be very reasonable or very calm we'll see we'll see how it happens (laughs) yeah uh so uh football or baseball first oh i guess we're gonna do covid or what i don't know i don't know i have no idea (laughs) papers is rock we'll start we'll start with football and the COVID news, just because I feel like that's that's top of mind right now. Right. 
So the cancellation, the postponement. Too many decisions. We'll go with the uh, the incorrect cancellation. So yeah, yeah, we'll go with that one because uh, I only have one reaction to it, and it's yikes. Yeah, so I don't remember if you texted me or I texted you, but this this came out over the weekend. So Georgia State against Charlotte was canceled. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure this was a a Thursday or a Friday cancellation. Is that right? It was was it late in the week? It was one of the late ones. Yeah. yeah so one of the late cancellations, and Georgia State had to cancel their game against Charlotte because of positive test results. Which glad everyone you know abundance of cautions. Abundance of caution, a tongue twister, and then it comes out on Sunday. It was the day after the game was supposed to be played that Georgia State didn't need to postpone its game against Charlotte because the COVID nineteen test results were read incorrectly. So a game was canceled for no reason, which is challenging in a environment where games are getting canceled left and right for all reasons. Yeah. Um... That's, uh, uh, I reiterate, yikes. Like, yeah, and <laughs> come on, come on, guys. And I, I don't, I have not been privy to a large influx. Like, I'm, I'm guessing it's not like, you know, you go to your CVS or wherever your, your quick testing clinic for a normal person is and, and you get your result and they, it's, you know, an email or a test result that says positive, negative. Like, I'm guessing there's some sort of big, I don't know, probably an Excel sheet or something like a big heavy duty report. But determining what the difference between positive and negative four weeks into the season sounds like something that should be pretty easy. It seems like something you should have have figured out. Like this should should not be. uh should not be difficult at this point. Like. uh Yeah, yeah. That, that was bizarre and so charlotte is sitting here and, and it's been it's interesting from the rice side of course rice has yet to play a game so so has fau actually the other owls in conference usa and actually if we're rounding it out the other other owls of, of temple I, have they kicked off yet i don't believe so i think <laughs> all of the owl monikers are <laughs> hanging out the roost yeah, uh, rough time for uh, nocturnal predatory birds. The number of times I thought we'd get to that on this podcast. But here we are. But yeah, so Charlotte, unfortunately, because of that, again, they they were attempting to start playing several weeks before Rice. And because of this cancellation against Georgia State, they've only played one football game. So FIU also got underway. Well, I guess they kicked off their first game last weekend. So you have three and one UTEP as the, the only conference USA school to play four games every weekend in September. And then you have. And hey, uh, they've actually beaten an FBS team now. It happened. And, I and saw like it. by a fairly substantial mark. Now, granted, this is probably a very bad UL Monroe team. But uh, hey, when you're UTEP, an FBS win is an FBS win. Like like three and one is three and one. Uh, <laughs> I'm certainly not complaining if I'm a Miners fan. Yeah, I didn't I didn't go look. I I I know that ULM they were they went to a couple bowls like 4 or 5 years ago. I feel like at one point it was not all bad. But, yeah, they've uh, been decent. Not like a top-tier Sun Belt team, but they've 
had a couple of pretty good seasons uh, by their scale in the past four or five years, like, I don't know, kind of like mid, mid 2010s. But uh, I, I don't think this team was set to be very good, even by their standards. But uh, man, hey, hey, UTEP has won, I believe, exactly three games total. I, I think it was. I think that's right. It's, it's yeah. three games total in the, in the three years before this, or was it two games total? No, so two two one-win seasons, and then we got to go all the way back to 2017, and it was a three... Oh, no, no. That, so 2017, that was the winless year when, when Dana Dimmel ended up coming in. So 2019, 2018, and 2017, they have two wins. Yeah, so they have exceeded their win total from the previous three seasons. So uh, there's, there's not many schools yeah. that could do that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's mathematically impossible for most schools, but uh, you know, hand demo that lifetime contract, man. Hey, and while we're on demo and talking about the greatness of the Sun Belt, as an aside, because that's what we do here. We got to talk about the Arkansas State Big 12 champs who beat Kansas State, who beat Oklahoma. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's, uh... if, if you needed further proof that this season is not going to make any sense, there you go. And we're in that, in that time Indiana won the SEC East. Wait, what? In 2014, when Missouri won the SEC East, uh, they had oh. lost to Indiana earlier in the year. There you go. I'm like, is there like some other like far out circumstance that I'm not aware of? There you go. Yeah, SEC. This I will say, this was one of the first weekends that it felt like a real college football weekend. The fact Maybe that both of us just... are also fans of SEC schools had had nothing to do with that. I'm sure. No, nothing, nothing at all. But it wasn't, it, you know, ha having SEC, you know, Georgia losing, almost losing, not quite losing. But I mean, you had the while we were recording our podcast on Friday, you had the UTSA Middle Tennessee game, which was really fun. And then you had a, a couple other just random games just thrown in there that were sneaky good, like Louisiana. And uh, Georgia Southern, that was a close one. Like there was yeah. a couple. Oh, Tulane blowing the doors off Southern. It was. It was just. It was weird. It was great. Yeah. Texas State almost upsetting Boston College. Was it like Louisiana? And I guess they've now won enough that they have earned the sole Louisiana name. Um, oh wow! I just. I just said that without even. Yeah. Doing it. Like wow. They finally. How many years have they been campaigning to get? They finally started worming that into our collective brains a little bit. But yeah, didn't hasn't their their kicker before this had missed like he hit like two of five kicks on the year or something like that. Like had had been just abysmal and then drilled like a fifty five yarder to win the game. This is college football. Maybe it maybe college the kicker segment we'll have we'll have the COVID segment because I I would love to get rid of that segment, actually, but I don't think it's going to happen. Probably. Uh, yes. Field goal kicker, three of seven on the year with a, a long of 53, because that makes sense. 
college kickers. Yeah, so we, we can't get rid of the COVID segment, but we are going to have to throw out a, maybe we'll introduce a, the weirdest thing that happened in college football this weekend segment. And like, I'm super hopeful that we'll get more like no long snappers travel and it's a pooch punt. Or I want to see the first team to win, like with some makeshift, like all of their wide receivers are gone. And so they go full like triple option. Yeah, was there was that one year where Baylor lost like all of its quarterbacks, and so they just went to like a a wildcat hey, offense in the Lynn bowl Bowden. game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although I do remember that Baylor team; they were they were trotting out. Oh, what was his, uh, something with his Z? They definitely had a wide receiver playing quarterback in the bowl game. I remember that. Yeah, it was great. So uh, fun times. Yeah, it's it's nice to just talk about the weirdness of college football, like. Like the regular weirdness of college the re- football. Yeah, the regular weirdness. Like Mississippi State throwing for 600 yards on LSU. My word. I That's didn't derive great. any enjoyment of that out of that at all. No, sir. Not uh, not any uh, you know, schadenfreude out of that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go out, go out and say Rice, Rice would have beaten this LSU team, but, <laughs> you know. I'm not not saying it. Like, if, if they're mortal... Like the 2019 team, uh, you know, I I don't know if like the Panthers could have beaten them, <laughs> and they yeah. they stole their their uh mastermind on offensive guru, right? So, hi, hi, hi. We'll see. We'll get to NFL. We will hit the other other conference USA piece that we hadn't got to yet that we need to is that the FAU Georgia State game from a couple weeks ago that got postponed. It's funny, aside reading all of these postponements, because it's like it's postponed, but like, are they going to make it up? This one's actually getting made up. So that has been put on the calendar right now for December the 5th, which at time of recording is the day that Conference USA has announced that they're playing their championship game. So you can uh, connect the dots. And I had previously put out there that I, I, I believe, again, this is my speculation combined with a couple conversations, nothing written down in stone yet. I believe that Rice is going to end up playing UAB on December the 5th. So you put that FAU game against Georgia State and the obvious completing the schedule for Rice and UAB finishing out that West Slate. And I think it's all but certain that Rice is going, Rice Conference USA is going to push back the championship game. You know, for the 12th, but I guess we can see how things go and maybe they do the uh, cautious thing and say we'll play it on the 12th or the 19th. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Just the the big takeaway here then is that uh, uh, that game's probably not happening on the, on the 5th, which is, you know, if you're a fan of Rice playing more football games, that's a, that's a good sign. Yeah, and I think it's also going to be a a factor of how do the next four or five weeks go? We'll see if there's a, a lot more games that don't happen and we uh, we need extra wiggle room. I think that would be another incentive with all the other conferences. And I think we talked about this last week, uh, I guess, two podcasts ago about moving, moving things back. I I think it's all but certain that Rice is going to try and schedule somebody on that date. I I've had Marshall fans. Uh, reach out to me and, and ask if, if Rice wants a piece 
of uh, <laughs> Grant Wells, who not and this is another college football. You know, Grant Wells has played two college football games at time of recording. I guess he like he he handed the ball off a couple times in one game last year. Is that right? <laughs> so he's appeared in three, and he's already the second coming. So I don't know how good he is. He's probably going to be a pretty good quarterback. Looked really good in their openers against direction a directional Tennessee school, East Tennessee, something like that. I don't know. But yeah, so we'll see. Sure. Let's get there's <laughs> there's going to be more football. Rice is going to kick off October 24th and play through December 5th. Asterisk. That's where we are right now. Okay, so that's all our COVID news. Uh, we will do some quick updates on uh, current owls in the NFL and Major League Baseball. Uh, shall we start with baseball since there are fewer of them? Well, uh, fewest now we, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so this was, I, I saw Rice Athletics, I think, put this out there. This is the fifth consecutive year that a former Rice alum has, has made it to the playoffs. Unfortunately, that stint lasted only two games. Uh, so three owls active. This year, Brock Holt, who made the switch from the Brewers to the Nats midseason, and Anthony Rendon, Roost podcast guest, Anthony <laughs> Rendon, however many millionaire. Uh, he is with the Angels, but they did not make the playoffs. Tyler Duffy of the Minnesota Twins did, and his season came to an end this week with a two-game sweep against the Astros. So he had some... Wasn't at his best, but had some defense behind him that was not very helpful either. So, yeah, this is a, a weird sports stat for you. I don't know if you've seen this, but the Twins have now lost 18 consecutive playoff games. That's bad. Not serious, just individual games. You would think that they right. would have. Like the Bra like, you know, I'm a Braves fan. They have not won a series in a long time. And, and, and that's frustrating. And, you know whole lot of things to go with that but to lose that many individual games like that's a whole lot of sweeps really hard but that's where they're at so this uh thus ends the rice owls postseason baseball updates no uh no world championship for us this year but you know i would be okay i would actually here i'll put this out there i'll trade world series championships for trips to Omaha. Can we like what's the exchange rate for that? I'll take all of those. Yeah, seriously. Sold, sold. No questions asked. Yeah. So, that's all we got for baseball. We want to skip over to football and we we have a good amount of football news to talk about. So, I guess we'll start with the most recent transaction, we have Austin Walter, who did some XFL last year, has been kind of working out. He got called back up to the 49ers practice squad, so it was nice to see him get back into the league. He's one. Of, he's like, I don't know if we talked about this last year or the year before, but he's the perfect Kyle Shanahan running back. Mm -hmm. I would love to see him 
get another call up to the active roster at some point. So not yet, but uh, we'll see. And then I guess the other most notable one is probably NFL, you know, reigning greatest punter ever, Jack Fox. Literally setting the punting world on fire. Uh, yes. Has now had had a 65 yard punt in consecutive games. The first punter in Lions history to do so is currently leading the NFL in like like net punting yardage and gross punting yardage and average punting yardage and has the best PFF grade for a punter by like a full 15 points or something like that. It's it's uh, it's it's everything. It's 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 beginning to seem less like. Jack and all the others at the punter conclave all made each other better through some sort of collective, you know, practice and improvement. And more like that he stole all of their Ooh, powers. Is this a space Jam? Yeah, like Space Jam style. <laughs> they all like touched a football once and Jack absorbed all of their collective punting talent. I don't know if this is probably some not something that we can have him confirm or deny, but. <laughs> that might that might be the only thing that makes sense. It's the best theory I have at this point. And it's it's funny because if we if we think all the way back to two years, the uh the UAB game where he punted thirteen times, and you sit there and you watch and like, I don't I don't know a ton of we had this conversation with Jack when he was on the show. I'm like, I don't know that much about punting. You kick it far, but he seems <laughs> pretty good. And I'm trying to pull up the it seems stat even better now. Right. It's like I knew he was good. The stat that I found, uh, I'm going to gonna butcher it. I should have pulled it up already. But it was something to the effect that he has the the best net punting average through the first three games of an NFL season ever. So not only is he leading the NFL, no one has ever done it this well before. Which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, not bad. All the stats. Number one hang time, number one net. You just And then I, I was going back through, so I put a, a I put together for everybody just kind of a, a running update that I put out every Monday, Tuesday, depending on Monday Night Football, right, with how every all the NFL owls did this week. And of course I go through and I always enjoy getting to the Jack Fox section because how how could you not? But uh going through there and putting all the stats together of each each week it's it's getting to become a, a therapeutic part of my weekend <laughs> which has been pretty fun so but yeah you can if you're ever wondering because we've had some a couple of guys on and off practice squads and and whatnot if you go to at the roost.com slash nfl dash owls that's going to be the latest of where everybody's at. So Jack is is crushing it. I think Austin Walter signing on with the 49ers. That's a big one. Vance McDonald had a couple big first downs against the Texans, just running people over. Yeah. I, and I guess I guess last week was the anniversary of, <laughs> of his, his legendary stiff arm. Yeah, I think I don't know if. You and I were both at, I think it was a Monday night. It was during a football radio show. We just kind of destroyed some poor what, Bucks defender, I think that was. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so 
he's he's crushing it. Chris Boswell continues to kick all of the field goals. Maybe maybe we're Rice is becoming special teams. You maybe that's our our secret calling card. I could roll with that. And then we talked about Christian Covington being brilliant, but also kind of sliding right into that defensive line in Cincinnati after everybody else has had like what at this point we're into week three, week four of the NFL season. Everyone else has had two months and he's been there for three weeks and is already getting in with the ones. It's been good. So far, so good for uh, Rice players in the pros and, and we hope it stays that way. Yeah, really pretty, pretty solid. One of the better seasons, I think, in recent memory, collectively, you know, just through these first couple of weeks. Yeah, I think all told, uh, 11 former Rice players right now on on NFL rosters. Which is pretty good. I, I don't know how the best like to quantify NFL player per like recent collegiate success. I would imagine Rice is punching above the belt. Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, what, 11 players? I mean, that's... So Alabama currently leads the league with like 53, I think. So... I, I would just wager to guess that there are three or four like Alabama years, like the 20, like 13 roster, the 2018 roster that have 11 players from that Alabama roster. Oh, yes. Yeah. We're not there yet. <laughs> but, you know, but, hey, steadily growing. <laughs> one at a time. So. We'll get there. Uh, shout out to all of those guys. We'll keep you uh, updated on the site. Anybody does anything noteworthy or special. I'm sure there will be somebody <laughs> like we haven't even talked about Bryce Callahan. That's just because he's locking people down for the Broncos, which is admirable considering how beat up the Broncos are right now. So his job is not getting any easier. But that's uh, baseball, football. And now we should probably get back to probably the more pressing issue for Rice football fans, at least in the current moment. And that's a uh, little game that we're we're dubbing the panic meter. Which is new. And was coined this week and hopefully will not be a recurring segment. (laughs) So, uh. We can uh, I won't even limit you to a number, Carter, but we're just going to kind of general react on how panicked you are. And I will kind of go down the list. I got five players that are nicked up. And so as we kind of mentioned at the top, there's no official injury report. So and I am not a doctor, so I'm not going to go forecast and say any of these people are. I'm going to tell you what I know. And then uh, we will go from there and just kind of talk about their impact should they miss time. So. We will start up front with the corner position and was out of practice this week. And Andrew Bird was in crutches. Hard to cover wide receivers in crutches. So I don't have an exact update on what his injury is or what the timetable for his return is. And we will continue giving updates in the next couple weeks. But if uh, Andrew Bird misses any time at the front end of this season, how panicked are you? <laughs> Reasonably panicked. Uh, it, I, for those of you that recall from the most important players episode, I had Bird slash Jason White very high because 
with the departure of Tyree Thornton, Rice is uh, perilously thin at that cornerback spot opposite Treshawn DeBones. And, uh, yeah, just got thinner. So, rather panicked, I would say. Um, he is not on on that initial depth chart. He is not listed as the first teamer. That is that is Jason White at the other one. So that I guess is good news. But um, you lose either one of those guys, and uh, you might be playing a freshman at this point. So yeah, that's not great. Yeah, and you mentioned the depth chart. Uh, didn't mention that at the top of the show, but if you go on over, I. Put in, so the practice updates, pulled those aside for subscribers. I have unlocked right now the depth chart portion, so I've given y'all that as kind of a sneak peek of what to look for. And so the full Rice depth chart, you know, pre-camp, I've been told saying this is written in pencil is being generous. So Andrew Bird listed behind Treshawn Devones uh, at the right corner spot. But yeah, after, after Bird... In Devones, you have Jason White, and that is basically your only other corner on the roster who has played any meaningful amount of snaps. So I I might elevate that to a pretty, pretty darn panicked. Yeah, like with if if he ends up missing time, not like a. Not like deeply nervous or kind of anxious, but like yes, I'm past a level, eyebrow raise. A level of panic that counts actually as panic. Yeah. So again, caveat: um, things could transpire over the next couple weeks, and he could could get out of his out of all the crutches and get back to running around and and moving. We don't know his status for the Middle Tennessee game, but you know we talked about quarterbacks, and we're not really sure who the best quarterbacks in the conference are. But I can tell you, facing Asher O'Hara and Jack Abraham at Southern Miss is the first two guys off the bat. That would be a tall task to... Rice has some really talented freshmen that that they are very high in, high on in the secondary and like what they've seen so far. But man, we we spent all offseason talking about how experienced this defense was going to be and if you're super experienced but you have a leaky side of <laughs> your secondary makes takes the get the air out of the tires just a little bit so, yeah yeah man. if you're uh playing a lot of playing a lot of bump and run playing a lot of one-on-one man coverage and you have a weak link at one of the corner spots Things aren't things aren't going to go well. Uh, it doesn't really matter a whole lot how good the other guys are if they can just keep throwing at one guy. So, yeah, and and the thing is, and we we were taught we were concerned about corner before this news. So even if everybody was healthy, we were still concerned. <laughs> like we yeah. need to see a freshman do something on the field. You know whether whether or not that's Sean Fresh or or Jordan Dunbar. Uh, Miles McCourt has been good in a good amount of runs. He was hurt a little bit last season. Juco guy transferred and there's options, but we got to see it. So, okay. You know, I, I thought I might ease us in, but <laughs> we're starting off as, is pretty darn panicked on one. So, uh, should we go on to player two? Let's do it. 
All right, so player two, Panic Meter, Cam Montgomery, had a uh, nifty little what a leg scooter at uh, practice this week, so it does not look like he's going to be moving around anytime soon. How panicked are you about Cam Montgomery missing time? Uh, less panicked and more disappointed. Um, he's a guy that you would like to see. You know, we've talked in this offseason about Rice needing some kind of playmakers to step up at the skill positions, and he was definitely a candidate for that. Uh, we all know how how explosive he is when he has the ball in his hands. Um, but he also was not, you know, he was not going to be a primary option at running back. He's not a full-time wide receiver. He's kind of a guy that you manufacture, you manufacture touches for rather than a guy who, who gets them in the flow of the offense. So you lose that option, which is disappointing and kind of increases the pressure on somebody else to step up. But this is not, I don't know. I don't think that I envision Cam being a, like a consistent weapon in this offense. So, like an integral piece. Right, yeah. I think I, I find somewhere similar, maybe... I don't want to say I'm not concerned, but I I think the roster is at a place where last year when you didn't have Cam on the field be, because of fumbles or, or injuries and and you didn't have Zane Knipe, your and Juma actually like last year the speed and the breakaway big playability of this offense didn't exist. Like you had a little bit of Jake Bailey in the slot, but he caught half a dozen passes like it just there there wasn't the speed there so but on this you know the 2020 team if you have a healthy Juma you have Zane you got Jake Bailey uh, you got Sean Fresh utility guy on special teams Andrew Mason uh, Kalen Griffin Kobe Campbell you have so many different guys Christian Mastravic that I think have that kind of big play pop so I think you're I'm not going to say Rice is deep at explosive plays like I have to see it first, but I, I feel better about losing someone that can can make a big chunk game this year than I would have last year. Right. There are there exactly basically exactly as you were saying, there are there are a lot of candidates to fulfill that role this year. And we need to see those guys either step up and prove it or, you know, either by actually playing well consistently or by staying healthy, but there are a lot of guys who could potentially fill that role. And so losing one of them in cam is not catastrophic. And then I guess I, I lead, I lead myself us into player number three. I just mentioned him. So bird and in, in Montgomery, those injuries uh, look pretty significant. They were out there in, in street clothes with uh, noticeable aids the next guy I want to get to on our list is Christian McStravick. He did not practice the first couple days of camp, wasn't out there on the first day that they went into all pads. The understanding that I have is that he's expected back soon. But uh, soon I found with injuries is a very funny word with college football. Teams. Very nebulous term. <laughs> yeah. Soon can be tomorrow, and I'll be back out of practice. I'll get you guys updates when I get them. So, you know, hopefully by the time you hear hear this, he is back and, and 
running like the wind. But uh, in a hypothetical situation that Rice might be without Christian McStravick, who we haven't seen on the field yet at Rice, what's your panic level? Uh, it would be a lot lower if not for uh, mild spoiler alert, the guy that we're going to get to uh, last in line. But uh, um, in nervous. a vacuum. Yeah, let's say on his own, probably, I don't know, very little impact because, I don't know, we just haven't seen it from him yet. You know, we don't really know what he even really is capable of bringing, I think. I don't know. It's disappointing to lose that potential for another, like, consistent outside presence besides Rosner. But, you know, at this point, it's still very up in the air whether with a full rotation at wide receiver, you would have even seen Christian Mastravic have a significant role this season. So uh, on his own, again, more of a like uh, mild disappointment. I was hoping we could see something from him this season. Um, in context, this one, uh, yeah, starts to starts to starts to stack up a little more. So I would I would say I'm probably a little bit more on the concerned part, even even in isolation, because going into going into camp, I was kind of assuming that this is the guy who you were going to put on one of the outside spots. You know, it was probably going to be him or, or August Pete on that outside. And, you know, frankly, to this point, I've kind of seen we've seen flashes at, at a Pete. He's made some some good plays in the air. I thought he had a he was one of the guys I, I think I penciled or pointed out as having a, a phenomenal spring. But uh, again, haven't really seen it on the field. Jake Bailey's not going to play outside Zane Knipe. I don't know if Zane Knipe is your 60 snaps a game outside receiver. Yeah, he's listed on the depth chart as the starting or as the second string X receiver, which is that um, in the old terminology, that would be the split end, which is the classic kind of on the line outside wide receiver. Uh, Rosner is listed the first team there in practice. That is, I very much yeah. doubt that you would see Zane in that role, but I mean, it, it doesn't have like Bloom is, is made it like you know, whether it was Aaron Cephas or it was Rosner. He's he's split out uh, French at, at tight end, Robert French, and put him out wide. He did that a little bit last year. Like, I I know they want somebody big on the outside and, and Zane Zane Ives. 5'11". Like, I'm not saying he can't be that guy. I just, I don't know. So losing somebody, and again, you know, this is a, an injury that doesn't look to be as severe if the coaches do expect him back at practice soon. But but having having somebody 6'3", 210, McStravick, he's he's one of the bigger bodied guys at, at the position, if, if not the biggest. So I'm, I'm mildly concerned, a little yeah, bit he's... more so than you. Tied for the second tallest wide receiver on the roster and uh, by a solid 10 pounds, the largest. So um, definitely, I don't know, probably the first candidate up for being at an outside presence besides Rosner. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Like it's, it's not great regardless. But uh, so am I consistently just a little more worried than you are so far? 
I don't know if that's a good sign or bad, but we'll get to the last part. <laughs> and I think we can both solidly freak out a little bit here. So the uh, the other guy, and, and like I said, we we haven't seen everybody out at practice so far. I'm kind of I'm trying not to cause panic, and and I could show you the list of every player that that what wasn't wasn't wearing a, a helmet on Saturday, but I'm gonna hold off until we get some some further clarification on hopefully on who's where. But uh, Brad Rosner was at practice and, and has been and was at, at the scrimmages but he was in street close with no helmet to be seen or pads and he has some kind of splint or something wrapped up around his wrist which i hear you need hands if you are going to catch footballs as a collegiate wide receiver so your level of panic at the potential of brad rosner missing some time yeah, uh, this is like an old fashioned fire alarm with like a little hammer on the side whacking a bell. Like it's <laughs> it's it's bad. Um, you know, even if Ms. McStravick is back, uh, if if Rosner misses significant time, you know, when Rice's offense was actually working last season, and at times even when it wasn't, but when it was working, there were like not a whole lot of consistent consistencies to like what was going on there. I mean, most of it was with Tom Stewart at quarterback just by virtue of him playing the most. A lot of it was with Aston Walter, but like the, to me, the biggest kind of common thread to all of the times, whether it's games or like individual series when Rice was actually doing something on offense was Brad Rosner making big plays. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about this offseason about that there is potential depth at wide receiver. Like, if if all goes well, there could be a lot of guys that could contribute here and that we were excited because, you know, to have improvement in the depth from last year, you don't need all of those guys to step up. You just need one or two of them to. Uh, if Brad not Rosner misses a lot of time, you uh, give me at least two of those guys, please to develop into like every down worth players, because um, even if Rice gets significant improvement at quarterback, like if Austin Trammell is the only reliable target, the only guy who can get open, that's bad. That's uh, not going to go great. Even if they improve in the run game, you know, if they can't throw the ball at all, then you know, teams can just load up on load up in the box. And there's always so much you can do to get to run against numbers. So Yeah. Bad. All right. It's very bad. So, so I think so as I, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm texting you, I'm like, hey, guess who's not at practice right now? <laughs> Don't freak out. Um, and I've kind of progressed since then. I kind of. I think I'm more concerned about Brad Ros or about Brad Rosner. About Bird. Not being there potentially than than Rosner missing time. And so I I, I don't think it, it, I I'll explain a little bit. So I think there's there's no doubt that Rosner was was the big play guy for Rice last year. Like he moved the chains, had that three touchdown game against Middle Tennessee and had one of the ones that, you know, as they were salting away that game, they just threw like a 40-yarder. Or that no, so that was the North Texas game. They just it, you know, in their own backed up through a 40 yarder to Roz on like third down, which is not really something you do when you're salting the clock away. But 
when you're that confident a guy, it matters. So a couple of reasons that I'm not like super panicked yet. So first is uh, watching Austin Trammell in camp so far. You know, you, you just forget what a really good like sometimes you just t- kind of take guys for granted. I think I've taken Austin Trammell for granted a little bit. I watched him during camp and he's lining up a little bit on the outside, which is not something that, you know, it's not a long term solution, probably, and not something we've really seen from him. But watching him work has been like he's just had some double moves where he's just gone down the field and absolutely just made guys who could be starting members of this secondary look silly. And like, I think I've kind of pigeonholed him him into, oh, he's just the slot guy. But I don't know, like, depending on how, what that injury timetable looks like for Rosner, like, I think Trammell can step up and go from being like, oh, man, I'm double covered. Yes, we can't throw to you to he's going to bust out and make some plays. And then I, I do believe that, like we said, talking through with the cam injury, like four, five, six, seven different options of somebody who can step up. I think somebody's going to. I, I don't. Like, maybe that's blind faith, and you can tell me if I'm being crazy, but I think the yeah, offense there, there is are enough... definitely... Yeah, I'll say uh, one last thing. I think yeah. the offense is definitely worse without Rosner, but I don't think the addition that he brings is completely irreplaceable. And I mean that in the most complimentary way towards Rosner as I can. <laughs> Yeah, so there are enough guys that could potentially step up here that have the upside that could be guys that can really contribute if they do. So it it kind of makes it easier for... It's easier to see a scenario in which Rice's offense is still okay with Rosner missing a significant amount of time because... I don't know, there are more potential ways that it could happen. Because, I don't know, if... Uh, and, and, like, with regards to Trammell, you know, he's he's a good illustration of the maxim that, you know, sometimes we get enamored with wide receivers being really fast, uh, with them being really big and physical, with them being able to jump high and, you know, catch with one hand or whatever. Uh, the most important thing for a wide receiver, the number one skill that a wide receiver can have is getting open. It doesn't really matter how you do that. You know, you can be a guy that just runs by everyone, or you can be a guy that is just the most silky smooth route runner you've ever seen in your life. However you do it, that's what you have to do. And Austin Trammell is just one of those guys that gets open. So... Yeah, I, like I, you probably don't want him there full time, but I, I think they could survive for a little while with him as one of the primary outside guys, especially because a lot of the depth that they have behind him are guys who are maybe better suited to playing slot roles. And so let, yeah, well, let me ask you this. So as far as I can tell, Austin Trammell is in the best shape and best performance of his life. Like he I. I'm not going to buy into like it's the camp hype like everybody's you know we we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago he's added like, 15 pounds of lean muscle best shape of his life yeah all of those caveats but like I actually think we're going to get 15 to 20 percent better trammel than we've ever seen before this year like I think he can take that next step 
That's my personal opinion. The Rice offense is worse if which of those two is off the field, Trammell or Rosnick? Because I, I think it's Trammell. I think if Trammell leaves the field, the flexibility you have with this offense goes way down. You can't yeah. just roll coverage to one side and right. say we're just not gonna we're not gonna let you throw it to him. Guys who kind of split up exclusively outside at that X receiver spot like Rosner did last year are easier to game plan for generally. I mean, it's usually easier to to bracket or double an outside guy like that. And especially if he's not one that moves around a lot. So they definitely have more options if it's just Trammell out there. So, yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a fair assessment. But don't hear, listeners, don't hear what I'm not saying. Like, Ross not being there is a very bad thing. So this is this is probably the update that I will be following as close as possible throughout camp and, and letting y'all know. And, of course, that's going to be, we'll have more frequent update. We'll have this weekly podcast, but more frequently updates for for patrons as well. And all of our subscribers on there, you can get those when we put them out. But we have one last guy that I haven't gotten to yet. So this is uh, honestly the first guy that I noticed. So going over to the stadium and walking over to the practice fields, I saw Naeem Smith doing some individual like workouts with some trainers and folks on the side. So he has a, a, a lower body injury of some sort and hasn't gotten back to full practice yet. So don't know the timetable for him yet. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic with a couple weeks left before the season that we're going to get him back. But, you know, I caveat of I, I don't have the specific details and nobody has to tell me much at all. But <laughs> that's that's what we know. So uh, your panic meter last one on the uh, possibility of and, you know, we, we, we talk about the Middle Tennessee game aside also like fall camp is important to have your starting defense and offense together so that you can practice these things. So losing these guys for fall camp is, is a meaningful blow as well. But uh, your, your panic meter with uh, Naeem Smith missing a couple, uh, sometime at least. Uh, actively nervous. Not yet, not panicking, but, but fairly nervous. Um, Naeem was... Very good last year um, was kind of one of the playmakers they had on the back end of that defense. So he's definitely a guy you're going to miss a lot. Um, not in full on panic mode because you do at least have pretty Calderon back there who has like a full season worth of starting experience and is now uh, a junior who is who has played quite a bit. He's technically listed as the backup at free safety to George right now. But if Naeem were to actually miss a lot of time, I would imagine that you would see him move back to to strong safety to start alongside George. So just having him lowers my panic level a lot. It does give me some of that nervousness, uh, kind of like you have with the cornerback, that uh, there's very little depth now. So it, it leaves you in this situation where, well, okay, if, if nobody else gets hurt, we'll be okay. But if you lose anyone else out of the safety group, you start to get very, very nervous. 
Yeah, and I will actually add. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure how they're going to fill that safety spot. But if I had to guess right now, and it, you know, it, it, again, it's it's interesting being out there because usually you can look at the field and you can see who's on the field, and then you can look at the sideline and you can see if anybody's hurt. And there you go, you have who's on the field. With the new reality of everybody being in and out and social distancing and whatnot, it's a bit trickier to figure out who who's going to be on the field and, and who's not. But Kirk Lockhart is one of those guys that played played in ten games last year as a true freshman, and he's one of the one of the guys in the back end that the coaching staff is is really really high on. So if if Naeem is out for any amount of time, it I wouldn't be surprised. It's it would probably be a battle between Prudy and, and and Lockhart, but wouldn't be wouldn't be stunned if if Lockhart goes ahead and and, and wins that job. I I kind of like you know even behind George, I, I like Prudy in that in that free safety role, and I think Kirk could do a, a good job in, in the strong safety part. So I'm I have an eyebrow raised. I think hopefully. We're going to get Naeem back, and this is not going to be an issue, but I, I feel pretty good. I, I think the the ability between Prudy and, and, and Lockhart filling that spot, you know, like you said, like the depth behind them, you know, hey, Gabe Taylor picked off, what, like 10 passes, like six pick sixes, <laughs> eight pick sixes or something, something insane, like. I think we talked about it when he when he signs, you know, one year of high school football. Right. Just absolutely. And so far aside on him, that's kind of where he's been at with with practice so far. Like like he is like the learning curve is is steep, but dude can ball. So (laughs) go in there and and take the football away. Gabe, please. That's the new game plan on defense. Yeah, there are worse like emergency options you could have in safety for sure. Right. So uh, I'm. Paying attention. So I, I think if I had to to go rank my concern level of people who are going to be out, I'd probably say most concerned about Andrew Bird, then Brad Rosner. After that, probably Christian McStravick, Naeem Smith, and Cam Montgomery of the five that we picked. Yeah, that's right. I, I'd probably bump Naeem above McStravick, but yeah. Right. Otherwise, I think that's that's my order as well. Oh, and I just I just thought of something. So do you believe in the Madden curse? You know, at one point it seemed ironclad and then I just sort of haven't thought about it in a very long time. So I put Naeem on the cover of the season preview magazine. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's doomed. It's yeah, not, not my fault, back. is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Last year, last year was a a more uh, generic picture with uh, you know shoulder pads and, and a helmet, which you need that gear to play football games. So did I scare them off the first couple weeks of the season? These are these are all the what ifs. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend that it, it, it was not me to blame, but we uh, 
We wish all of these we'll, guys we'll monitor ate. that situation. Yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't end up, if he doesn't like, if he like misses the whole season, then next year you got to go back to like, I don't know, you got to get like the old English R at midfield or something. Like, no yeah, more players like, I'll, on the I'll cover. I'll put a picture of myself on there and just say, take me, please. Just leave me out. Help me. <laughs> or if there are any like great players from this year's team who decide to, I don't know, you know, they get like a hundred thousand dollar job offer out of uh, right after graduation and decide to take that instead of rolling the dice on football then it probably doesn't transfer between professional fields right i wouldn't think so i don't know maybe i have could... to do my my research like <laughs> so like so jack fox doesn't play college football anymore um could i like could i go pull like from the nfl ranks like do we do we get an alum? Do we do we call? I I don't. Sam McGuffey, you know, all around Rice athletic <laughs> person. Like, I don't know. We'll have to. This is the yeah. We'll we'll end up putting McCarg on there. You'll end up putting McCarg on there, and then he'll like have vocal cord surgery and not be able to do radio or something. <laughs> we're this is over. We're we're not gonna be. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I, I literally did not make that connection, although I'm I'm pretty sure. So I, I start working on that preview in like December and it comes out in July. And I'm pretty sure that the cover photo I had that picked out in like January or February. And he was he was healthy and running all through spring. I got to look this up. Like, does it only apply for like September through December? These are all these questions I have, yeah. but well, we're not going to get to <laughs> everybody. Everybody's going to be healthy. We're going to get back on the practice field. And uh, and that that's the only other thing I will keep you all updated as, as best I can. Remember the practice updates. We gave you all kind of the, the cliff notes here. So podcast listeners, y'all are getting more than uh, everything else that's that's going out into the the public sphere. But the the rest of the folks who were injured and 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 nicked up a little bit there kind of some updates we haven't even talked on the quarterback battle maybe we'll get into that next week uh, a lot more stuff there for the folks who are sub- folks who are subscribing on patreon so go ahead and do that support us and uh, let us bring you all the you know reasons to panic and everything else but above <laughs> all we have football to talk about real football on the field Hallelujah. Special. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, no, I'm certainly not. Well, all right. Uh, I think that does it for this week. Uh, We will see you all back next week. Hopefully by then or even by the time you're listening to this, we will have uh, good updates on some of those injured players. But uh, we will see and uh, we'll be back next week. And Rice, bye. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.